This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of having Philip and Valerie Von Berg join the podcast. Now, Valerie is a California native, graduated from Occidental College in Southern California, moved up north to go to law school at UC Berkeley, and then spent her first two decades of her career as a lawyer practicing business litigation at both the trial and appellate levels, including as a partner in a well-known San Francisco law firm. Over time, she gravitated toward advising clients on business matters, including litigation avoidance, which is always good, which she believed would serve her clients better in the long run. Philip is a native of New York City. He founded a concert promotion business while still attending the University of Virginia. He operated his business successfully for a few years before heading back to earn his MBA in New York. When Philip discovered the high-intensity field of crisis management and turnaround consulting, he knew he had found his calling. So, Philip, Valerie, welcome to the Vine Guy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. I got to ask, Valerie, you're a a California native, Southern California originally. Philip, you're from New York City. So how did the two of you meet with such disparate fields and cross-country? I mean, fill me in here. Well, it's the miracle of the internet. We actually met on an online dating site. And Philip was living in the town next door to me. And we ran in different circles. I, we never crossed paths, but we met on a dating site, had our first date, and the rest was history. <laughs> wow. If I had a dime for every wine couple I have interviewed recently that met on an on a internet dating site, I'd probably be up to close to a dollar now. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be pretty popular. So, Philip, you moved from the East Coast to the West Coast? Yeah, after uh, two young children within a previous marriage. And when they were born, I didn't want to raise them in New York City. I, I'd done that myself and wanted something else for them. Um, so I took a job with uh, Patagonia, kind of a great company, um, and moved to Southern California initially. Um, before kind of rejoining my, my career path of turnaround and crisis, crisis management. I was down in, in Ventura for about two years before I moved up here and resumed my career track. And the two of you met on an internet dating site. You yes. met, did, now, were you both sharing a love of food and wine at that point? I mean, was that what connected you? That was among the things that connected us for sure. Definitely, we shared a passion for food and wine. We we're both uh, single parents with very young children. This was 20 years ago. Um, we also enjoyed outdoor activities, skiing, water sports. So really, really, we had so much in common. Wow, very cool. So how did you get into the wine world? I understand that you know you both have amazing backgrounds. I mean, between being a turnaround specialist and being a very high-powered attorney, these can be complementary skills. But getting into wine, I got to hear this story. Okay. So Philip was, he was in the turnaround business. He was on a plane almost every week, all over the country, sometimes in Canada. It was getting very, it was grueling and week after week. and, And we talked about finding a way for him not to have to travel so much 
And also, you know, something we wanted to do something together, a business together. And, you know, being in Northern California, wine was an obvious choice and we loved wine. And so we always thought, well, someday we would love to, you know, have some role in the wine business. And it's right in our backyard. It's something we really enjoy. And then Philip got a call from a colleague about a winery with a special, a specialized business model that was insolvent and in a lot of trouble. That company went into an out-of-court bankruptcy proceeding, and we ended up buying the assets out of that proceeding and taking some of the key employees who really understood the client base and the business model and working with those employees. Um, we, We relaunched the company, you know, cleaned it up, improved it, relaunched it. We've since expanded on it. So that's how we got our beginning. Very cool. And that's how you came up with the Wine Foundry. Yes. So what's in a name? Why Wine Foundry? So the Wine Foundry kind of comes from my background of manufacturing. I've owned a couple of, uh, invested in a couple of foundries during my career. Um, always involved with making things. And um, so here we were making wine for people. Um, you know, really on on the individual basis. And so we thought, well, Foundry um, was kind of a suitable uh, name for the business. So that, that's kind of the origin of it. Walk me through exactly what the Wine Foundry is. So the Wine Foundry is, we special, it's a lot of things, but we specialize in making custom wines in quantities of a barrel, uh, high-end wines, for clients who are interested in experiencing winemaking, but on a manageable level. So, you know, for somebody who doesn't have the wherewithal or the interest in buying a vineyard or buying a winery or, or, you know, starting their own wine brand from scratch with no assistance, we provide a turnkey solution where they can can come to us and make world-class wines by the barrel with the style and the profile that they prefer, working with our winemaking team experiencing the process um, all the way to label design, packaging selection, all the way to the end. So oh. it's, really a tr- it's really a turnkey solution for people who want to have that experience. So what do your clients do with a barrel of wine? Now, by the way, a barrel of wine is about 24, 25 cases, if I'm thinking that through Correct. correctly. cases with us. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I now have 25 cases of this wine. Uh, I've pri- private labeled it. Is it something I then have for my friends and family? I do it as a corporate promotion, or am I turning around and actually selling this wine under my own private label? All of that. Really? Any of them. Any of them. Yeah. Any of them. Really, all of them and any of them. So if I come to you, where where am I getting the fruit from? I mean, do you all have vineyards? Where I mean, if it's really turnkey, right? So I guess the fruit's coming from somewhere. So we have uh, long-term contracts with vineyards all throughout California, but mostly Napa and Sonoma, um, some in Mendocino and, and uh, Santa Barbara County, um, as well as uh, up in Healdsburg area, Clarksburg. Wow. Um, but we have long-term commitments, um, you know, as long as we can get, you know, they're generally around three years and get renewed with some of the most pre- prestigious uh, vineyards in in the state. So if I'm 
interested in doing this. And I actually have to admit, I kind of am. <laughs> I've already tried to think of a label in my head. But uh, if I come to you and do this, we sit down, I assume you say, well, what kind of wine do you want to make, right? I mean, do, do you have that kind of conversation with your your clients? Yeah, well, you, no, yeah you, you would kind of tell us what, what you're thinking of doing and talk to the, you'd really talk to the winemaker. And, um, you know, if you had a favorite wine, you would talk about that wine and why you like it with him. He, he would work with you. We'd help you select the proper vineyard um, to kind of put, put your wine on the right path. And then all along the way, you're, you're able to check in on your wine's progress, taste the wine, talk to the winemaker, make changes. Um, and then it really culminates kind of right before bottling where you do a blending session with the winemaker. You know, most people don't know it, but most wines are blended. At the end of the day, they have some some other wines in them. There are very few hundred percenters out there. Um, and so that blending gives you the opportunity to really put your, you know, imprint on the wine uh, and make it your own. How cool. Do I even get to choose like the type of oak barrel that I want to use in the, in the winemaking process? Does it get down to that or... Uh, I mean, do absolutely. I have some input? If you're knowledgeable in the barrel types, that, uh, that absolutely we source from probably 12 to 14 different coopers. Um, the majority are all from France. Um, our winemaker knows what characteristics or uh, idiosyncrasies come out of each of the coopers. But if you if you have one in mind, um, you know we've even special ordered uh, barrels for for our clients who who wanted something that we didn't source. Okay, I have to say, this is pretty cool. I mean, this is, it's like a custom crush facility, but really for consumers who really want to either get in and make their own wines or participate at some level in developing their own brand. I've never heard of anything like this. I think this is really, at least for me, pretty unique. So I got to ask, tell me about your winemaker. So he's Patrick Sabo. He's incredibly talented. He he makes probably a larger variety of wines than any winemaker that we know because he's making wines in, in, in increments of an individual barrel and they're all different, you know, for every client, they're different. And he's very, very good at keying into what somebody prefers in terms of their style, what their goals are. Uh, it's really rather uncanny. He really, he understands right away, you know, what somebody is going to um, really like what's going to resonate with them. And I don't really know how he does that, but he's really masterful at it. And he remembers. So when he gets to know our clients, he understands what they like, what, what really makes them excited about their wines. And I think he loves the variety. He just has that mind that's able to, you know, absorb a lot of different variables and, and juggle them and make them all work out. And he doesn't, he's also a safety net because very kindly and without judgment will keep clients from making a big mistake. And, so where, and he'll explain why. So where did you find Patrick? Patrick was with the company um, that we acquired the assets of, and he wasn't their head winemaker. He was a junior winemaker with that company. And then he came with us and became our head winemaker. And so he, he launched the winery with us. So your business model is really unique, and it feels like it's opened up to a wide variety of people that maybe, you know, don't have the accessibility to winemaking that traditionally 
uh, I would think of. So I would imagine that you've got a fairly diverse clientele. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, really, from the the onset of the of the business, you know, the whole idea was to democratize winemaking um, and really kind of lower the barriers uh, for everyday people to be able to do it and make great wine. Um, so that's been our goal, and and as a result, we have a very diverse client base. Um, you know, really representative of a full spectrum of. of uh, people, you know, from, from our country and even outside of, outside of the United States. Um, and now I think it's very interesting with everything that's going on that we're really getting a lot more inquiries kind of from, from people of color and uh, other ethnicities that um, are really interested in, in kind of starting their own business and, and making their own kind of custom wine. So uh, it's, it's really kind of exciting time for us. Uh, and uh, people are showing up and they're very excited and having a good time kind of making their dreams happen. And does the wine foundry make their own wine? I mean, are you two <laughs> interested in, in making wine for your own brand? So we have two brands and we have our, our first brand was Foundry. And that's our, um, you know, that's the brand that really represents the winery and what we do is the same vineyards you know, the same winemaking techniques, all very classical. Um, we have vineyard designates from famous vineyards and varietal specific, all classically made. And then along the way, because we source so many different, you know, from so many different vineyards, that Patrick had this amazing palette of wines to work with and wanted to have a little bit of fun. So we said, you know, just experiment, make something different, make something, you know, that's out of the ordinary, unconventional. And he did. He started with a blend of white of six white varietals. That became the Anarchist, kind of our flagship wine for Anarchist Wine Co. And it was so popular and so successful that we built an entire wine brand around it. So we have two brands, the Foundry being the, the classical brand and the Anarchist Wine Co. being the more creative, uh, fun, unconventional line of wines. But we look at it more as a continuum because they're all extremely high quality, you know, the, the fruit is excellent. The winemaking is, is, you know, to the highest standards, but they have different personalities and we think that's a lot of fun. So you just, I want to back up for a second. You <laughs> said that you make a white wine with six different varieties. Of yes. Grape? Well, actually this year, so the 2019, we used five. In, in many oh, years, thank goodness. We, we paired back to five this year. <laughs> what, what, what are the five varieties that are going into this white wine? So the 2019, which we're just releasing now, is uh, Gewürztraminer, Pinot Gris, Viognier, Sauvignon Blanc, and Chardonnay. Wow, you forgot the kitchen sink. <laughs> That's awesome. What's, what's interesting is that every varietal and every percentage of that varietal is extremely intentional. Patrick makes um, many iterations of this wine and, and tinkers and tweaks until, until it has just the right amount of fruit and minerality and you know a little bit of weight, but not too much weight and the right acidity. And he really tinkers and tweaks and likes to have you know, the, the vibrancy and the finesse. Um, so it's, it's all, it sounds crazy, but it's all very intentional. It sounds delicious is what it sounds. I <laughs> we, we, really actually 
<laughs> I, I have to say, I'm, I'm really very curious about this wine. I'd love to uh, love to try it with you, but we are on a Zoom call, so I'm going to have to at some point rely on you when we get to that part of the podcast where we get to find out what's in your glass. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to describe this wine to me because I am very curious about uh, about this wine. I think it's it's pretty cool. I also understand what's pretty cool is you have some interesting wine labels. Tell me about those developments. So primarily on the Anarchist Wine Co. side, we felt like the wines had a lot of personality and we wanted to capture the personality with the fanciful names. So it started, like I mentioned, with the anarchist because it broke so many wine-related rules. And so that one, we felt it was rebellious. We named it the anarchist. And then we have a red blend that's, you know, it's more Cabernet-based. It's, we feel it's a thoughtful, contemplative wine. We named that philosopher also because Philip was a philosophy major in college and his mother always asked him, what are you going to do with a philosophy degree? And here it is. And I finally did something. Um, I'm making wine. <laughs> so, Philip, how do you feel about that? <laughs> this is really cool. I, I guess I want to circle back to one other thing. So you're making these wines for individual consumers. Again, they can either private label them. They can give them to friends and family. They might even put them out into the marketplace. What is the most unique wine somebody has made at your facility? That's a great question. I mean, we're doing, we, we've, we've had every request made of us. I mean, people come with requests every week and, and there's always one that's incredibly outrageous. Um, right now we're doing a project for somebody who, who's making a hibiscus tea wine, where, um, which is fascinating. Uh, I mean, at, at first I didn't think Patrick would even want to to play around with it, but he's so fascinated by it. And uh, so it's a fun pro it's turning into a very fun project. Um, but, you know, we've, we've pushed Patrick ourselves. We've made him do an orange wine. If you're not familiar with that's basically a, a, a white wine made like a red wine. Um, and that was something that uh, he resisted for four years. He thought it was a gimmick and uh, we kind of pushed him and pushed him. And finally he did it. And that, he loves it, and we're very proud of the orange wine. And it's called the skeptic because he was very skeptical about making it, yeah. but then he, <laughs> but I, now he loves it. I completely understand. So I, just for our listeners, I want to make sure that we just went from hibiscus tea wine to yeah. orange wine. I want them to understand that there's no oranges in no. orange wine. It's really a white wine that is stayed on the, the skins longer than, than usual. Right. And uh, the reason it's called an orange wine is it generally takes on an orange tint or orange hue over a period of time. So just kind of wanted to clarify that we're not making actual wine out of oranges. Well, and, and the hibiscus wine is really an outlier. Somebody who has developed this project was looking for somebody who would work with her on making it. And, and we are able to do that. Most of our clients are making the classical wines, um, you know, very high end, classically crafted recognizable varietals. Um, I would say that probably the more unique wines are in our Anarchist Wine Co. line of wines um, because we're doing, we're out front on most of the creative ones. And I think most of our clients are, are looking more for the classical experience. So do you treat yourself as clients when you're making this anarchist wine? I mean, are you both involved in the uh, tasting and blending part of this? 
We are, but we play minor role. So Patrick really takes the lead. Um, it's really fun for us to taste and, and, and do along with him and express our opinions. But he's the expert and he's the one who takes the lead on, on creating the blends. I have to say, I've interviewed a lot of people in the wine world. I've interviewed importers. I've interviewed producers. I've interviewed winemakers. I've interviewed farmers and winery owners. I have never interviewed or even met anybody in this field where it's it's kind of a, a mix between custom crush for clients and yet you're also making your own wine. You've got a foot in both worlds. Do you ever get conflicted? I mean, or or you should let me put it this way. Do you ever taste somebody's wine that you've made for them and went, oh my God, this is a, that's amazing. We should do that. Well, we do. We, some of our clients have a palate that is really to go with mine. And so I know which clients when, when they come to the winery and they're, you know, sharing samples, I know, I know whose wines I love because they like what I like, but you know, they're, they're, they're all very, they're similar in that they come from the same vineyards, the same land or, a, you know, in a group. And, and so they share that characteristic, you know, and, and Patrick, I think really makes the wines that express the land. And so that comes through in all of them, even though they all are unique and, and individual. I feel like that comes through in all of them. So we really like them. So including the Foundry and Anarchist brand, at any given time, how many different wines is Patrick making? Our, our best guess is somewhere between 250 and 350 wines every year. Okay. I, I keep wanting to put him in the Guinness Book of World Records. I just haven't figured out how to do it yet. Oh, I, I think he would qualify. 250 to 350 different wines at any given time. I cannot even imagine how anybody keeps it all straight, but that's pretty cool. And, he, and we've built a big team around him, so he's got, got a lot of help, but it's definitely him kind of pulling all the strings and making the making it all work. It sounds like he needs a golf cart just to get around you know, the winery. <laughs> we have an amazing team at the winery. They're, they're all just first class and everybody works together very cooperatively. Most people wear a lot of different hats and um, it, we're, we're very fortunate to have such a great team. Well, I got to tell you, I am very excited about this. And what I really want to do is I want to get to my favorite part of the podcast where we find out what's in your glass. <laughs> So uh, walk me through this. What's the first wine that we're going to try? So we're going to try the 2019, the Anarchist. That's this for this vintage. It's five white grape varietals and the, um, the varietals that I mentioned to you earlier. And I can give you the percentages if you like. It's um, very, it's a very lively balanced wine has great fruit. It also has, Really nice, crisp acidity, focused acidity. Um, and it has a, a nice mouthfeel. Um, you know, it's not too heavy, and but you you do get a little bit of roundness, that kind of new world roundness on it. So we love it. We're very excited about it. It sounds like a very food friendly wine to me. Very, very food friendly. And interestingly, so Patrick comes out of the restaurant industry in South Carolina. Our wines, I feel like, are very across the board, food-friendly wines. And, you know, they have good acidity. They're kind of meant to go with food. Um, I think this one in particular 
I would pair it with fish. I would pair it with salad, like pasta dishes. Um, I think it's beautiful with seared scallops. Very cool. I'm looking actually at the the label art on the 2019 Anarchist white wine. And I have to say, I'm trying to, it's, it's, to me, it looks kind of like a, a neuron. <laughs> what, what, what am I looking at here? It's a Rorschach test. No, oh, it's, okay, it's, I see a neuron. <laughs> so this is an art form called generative art. It's made with computer code and it's computer code that generates abstract patterns and so we, um, through our label designer, worked with this coder and gave him data from the lives and works of anarchists. And we defined anar anarchists as people who really looked at the world differently than their time and pushed the limits and changed things in a positive direction, thought bigger, um, thought better, were fearless about um, confronting convention. And so we had a list and we, we took you know, data from their lives, gave it to the coder. He incorporated that into his algorithm. And this is what came out. And each label has their own unique data incorporated into the algorithm. I don't so, even know where to go with that. that uh, other than to say that it's absolutely beautiful. I love this label. It, it's stunning. And I, I I can only assume that the wine is equally as stunning uh, on the inside as the label is on the outside. What um, What is this retail for? $24. Really? Okay. And is it widely available? So we ship to uh, direct to consumer in 43 states plus the District of Columbia. And um, we sell it out of our tasting room. We don't have a lot of retail distribution. We sell mostly direct to consumer and through our wine club. If somebody wanted to access your website, what, what is that? So all our wines, both Anarchist Wine Co. lineup and the Foundry lineup is, are sold through our website at anarchistwineco.com. That's kind of our retail facing website and they are available there. And we, you know, we try to run for people who don't live in California or near us. Uh, we try to run shipping specials to make that easier for people who live at a distance. And you mentioned the foundry is also available through the anarchistwineco.com. I see that we've got a foundry wine that we're going to try. So you want to take us through the next glass? Yes. Yeah, so the next one is our um, our 2015. It's a super Tuscan blend style, and we call this one Idola. Now the Foundry doesn't always have fanciful names because a lot of them are vineyard designates or AVA specific. Um, this one, because it's a super Tuscan blend, we gave it the name Idola, which means it's a Greek word meaning idealized spirit image, and we feel like the wine is the idealized spirit image of the land that it came from. And so it's 70% Cabernet Sauvignon, it's 22% Sangiovese, it's 5% Cabernet Franc, and 3% Petite Syrah. Uh, the, the Cab all comes from Napa, but from different parts of Napa. So you get some valley floor fruit, you get some mountain fruit, some benchland fruit. So it's a really interesting cross-section of all the different personalities that Napa has to offer from the you know, its various, various locations. And where are you getting the Sangiovese from? So this Sangiovese comes from Unti Vineyard in Dry Creek Valley in Sonoma. Uh, for me, at least, it's so unusual to come across a domestic Sangiovese. I'm very excited about that. 
So tell me, uh, give me the flavor profile. What What's this wine taste like? So it has that, you know, that Napa Cab kind of core. So the, the dark fruit, jammy, plummy, really opulent. And then the Sangiovese brings that kind of the brighter notes, the red fruit. So it gives the wine. We love the way that the Sangiovese extends the range of the wine and takes that Napa Cab base and then just plays on it and it just adds you know, more, more notes, red, red fruit, blue fruit. Um, it has, you know, we have, we get some spice and some earthiness and then the Cab Franc um, just makes it just a little bit prettier. You know, that Cab Franc, even 5% adds just that little bit of elegance to the wine that we love. And again, I'm going to ask you, if you uh, were having this wine with friends, what would you order? I think this wine goes really nicely with, I think it's great with pasta I eat a lot of fish, and so I drink all these wines with fish, I have to say. <laughs> but maybe like a, a meatier fish, like an ahi tuna, I think would be really great. Mushroom, like a mushroom dish, port, grilled portobello mushroom, I think would be divine with this wine. How about like a uh, mushroom ragu with pasta? Yum. Now you're making me hungry. That's kind of my job. <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with food and wine pairing. So I always ask the people who make the wine, what would they eat it with? Cause I just, I'm, I love getting uh, ideas and opinions and it makes me think. And I yeah, think there's it, no really greater joy than having a wonderful meal with great wine and good friends. Absolutely. And what does this wine retail for? $68. 68. And again, available through anarchistwineco.com. Right. Valerie, Philip, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure learning about the Wine Foundry and, of course, the Anarchist Wine Company. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully one day meeting you and trying all of your wines and maybe even trying my hand at making wine. You never know. God, it was super fun to be with you today. Thank you so much for having us. And we really do look forward to welcoming you to the Wine Foundry in Napa. Now come on down and uh, taste some barrels with us. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Well, that'll do it for this episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. This episode was produced by Sarah Beth Hensley, and the music you heard is Wishful Thinking, available in the YouTube audio library. Until the next time, remember, do good, drink well. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.